This is Halftime with the Playmakers, your midweek partner with the live show, The Playmakers, aired on WNM FM 90.5 on Saturday from 1230 to 2pm. I'm your host, Michael Trim Jr., aka Slim Trim in the Cut. But we got some great topics today. So to help me out with these topics, introduce yourself. Dang, that's a new nickname, bro. Slim Trim. I like that. <laughs> Dang, you, heard, yeah, yeah, you, my, you, you was in the mirror looking at that. Just like, hey, I, I like this one right here. I, okay. I go to New Orleans for a couple of days. That boy come back with a trim name. Okay. I like that. It's your boy. Let's say one third my Kiwi. I'm the vet, the OG, in a little bit of a backseat role today. Glad to be here, fellas. Well, it's your boy. From a great city, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My man Ma had a chance to go down to New Orleans. He saw what I be preaching so much. But I love New Orleans. I'm just saying, it's your boy Country. You know what's going on, y'all? It's Jay Scott, the freshman on campus, from the 813. What's going on, y'all? It's the youngest in charge, straight out of Cashville, Nashville, Tennessee's in the building. My name's Austin Casey. Shout out to the youngsters. Shout out to the youngsters. Hey, I just realized that you be saying you the freshman on campus. You see the play of words? Like, yeah, I, 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 I just thought I about do, it. That's actually pretty nice. <laughs> Hey, shout out to your dad, by the way, too, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was um, coaching. He had a great time with the Legacy Bowl, and um, I think this was his second time there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was an offensive. He was one of the co-head coaches for Gaither. So, yeah, nice. he had a good time. It would have been nice to see your dad here, fam, but, you know. <laughs> no, because your dad actually can recruit very well. Yeah. Like, even though he did lose a lot with Howard, I think Howard might take a little step back. But the MEAC ain't as strong as I thought they would, though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, gentlemen. So we all here. We all, you know, at FAMU. FAMU basketball. We got some good, got some bad in FAMU basketball right now. The women's basketball team is 7-7 seven and seven in conference play, and they're sitting at 6 in the SWAT conference. So, fellas, what are your thoughts on the FAMU women's basketball team thus far, so far in the season? I think it's a little bit of an upward trend from previous years, for sure. I mean, being 7-7 seven and seven in conference play, that's something that we haven't seen in years. And, and, you know, just the fact that we're able to still show that we can compete as a team, you can really tell, like, the players are really, like, buying into their new coach's mindset and their new process. Uh, yeah, they're they're actually in the top half of the swag. There's 12 teams. They're in the top half. There's six plays in the swag, like you just said. So I think this is great. I think this is great for them. They can only build upon that. Grizzle, uh, the main the main show star. She she put on a show, bro. She averaging at least 20 25 a game. So it's great. Yeah, every game is like she's almost dropping 30. And if we being honest, we we had them only winning seven games this year, mm-hmm. like in total. And they already got that through the swag play. And let's be for real, they should have way more wins than seven. Oh yeah, that's a lot of a lot of the losses was very close, one possession games, people filing out at the wrong time. It's it's like you see you see the identity that coach that coach Gordon was building that we just didn't see at that time during during non-conference play because it was just a different level of competition. But now you see the girls are starting to buy into the program. They're starting to they're starting to feel like okay yeah we can actually do this. They're starting to close games out. And last night was a true testament of what she's been preaching. I, I, exactly what you were um, what you were saying. I think Coach Gordon, when you when you have a new coach come in, there's certain expectations you have for the team going forward. Just again to buy into the identity that she's trying to instill into the program. Continue to be competitive, set in a new uh, identity, but to be above or close to 500 in the SWAC, and then being able, like you said, to be in the top half of a conference is something that I think exceeds expectations for sure we only had them winning seven games this season so again I think they've exceeded expectations I'm I'm proud of the women's team for sure yeah I'm with all y'all um you know if you told us right now that through or if you told us at the beginning of the season that through 14 games of swag play um we'd be sitting at 500 basketball I think that we'd all sit here and say absolutely we'll take that season 100 100 of the times so yeah and we have a couple of wins over teams ranked above us so you know if we do 
continue to play good basketball and we do make the SWAC tournament, I think that we have a chance to really compete in it as well. And I think that, like I said, if we knew this at the beginning of the season, we'd be ecstatic. And also, we have a chance to move up because we play Alabama AM now Absolutely. tonight. So we seen us play against Southern. We we beat Southern, and it's just like the other games is just like some some just a, just some narrow bite just some narrow narrow biting games that we should have won. I agree with it, with everything y'all said. I think the women's basketball team. I think they'll be a tough out in conference play. I think they can win a game, probably the first round game, and then probably like I said, be a tough out for the second round game. But onto the men's side of things, the men are currently sitting at five and twenty, three and eleven in swag play. Obviously, the complete opposite of the women's basketball team. So for me, for the rest of the season, I hope the men can you know just see who they can you know keep around for next season when they have a different coach and a different an entirely different staff but i'm you know talk to amar what do you think about the men's basketball i have nothing to say about these guys these guys they got the win against who did they play the other day they got the win but let's not act like they didn't they weren't down by like 16 points it was a 60 point comeback like i just i have nothing i have nothing to say like this is the same thing that we've been seeing time and time and time again yes they were able to get the win but that win means nothing in the grand scheme of things because you have to think about it how did you get down 16 in the first place how did you have to climb all the way back a team that is very beatable like should have easily like there's just too much talent on this team for us to be down 16 to a team like that and then to have to scrape our way to the top to win to pull out a win like we're 5 and 20 like that's that's bad the second worst team in the sweat like who's worse mississippi valley State. and what's their record that's the worst team in the country country. and what's the record they're 0 and 27 come on now (laughs) come on now like you telling me like fam you it's just too much talent like like guys i mean it it, tell me if i'm wrong but it's just too much talent on this squad for us to be playing like this for us to continuously find ourselves in a situation like this i don't even want to talk about tonight's prediction for this game because somehow some way they're gonna find a way to blow it Here's, here's what I want the men's team to do for the rest of the season. It's like a point in the NBA where about like 70, 72 games in, the teams at the bottom of the standings, they really just unleash whoever. Like, you see some guys that you do not see nowhere else just wearing random numbers. That's what I think they should, the men's team should do. Just send out, everybody else. send out five guys and see who wants to be here. I kind of disagree with one of your points, Ahmad, on mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of things, that win like kind of means nothing. At the end of the day, you're still playing for your school. You're playing for right. your scholarship. At right. what point does it become a pride thing? That's what I'm and saying. I think that, that's, let's yeah. see who but wants to be here. To, to the Alabama State game, them being down 16, they weren't gonna just sit there and take that though, too. They had to come back, which is commendable. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna punch down this team the entire time. Yes, they're not that great. Yes, they had a tough season, and they're just definitely gonna need some changes going forward. But credit where credit is due. Coming down I'm, 16 is not an easy thing to okay. do. Wait, I have one more thing to say. I, I do understand that for sure. I, I'll never be the type of person to say, you know nothing good about my squad but let's just state the facts they're three and eleven in conference play yeah they're five and twenty they're three and seven at home and two and twelve on the road mm-hmm. this team is bad yes and oh, yeah. and 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 to your point to your point th- it is a pride thing so that is commendable because not a lot of teams can come back down 16. look at mississippi 
<laughs> but my thing is, you shouldn't even be down 16 in the first place. Uh, yeah, I get you. Because there's too much talent on the offensive side of the ball on our team. Like, we have great players, but we're just not utilizing them well. And I feel like a broken record because even like back to last year and the year before, like, it's kind of been the same continuous cycle. You feel me? So, go ahead, country. And, and it's, and it's, just, it's just sad to watch because they actually do have the talent. Like, watching, like, from the start, you seen, you know, the game that's really like pissing me off, though. On, 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 for real, for real, is that game against Oregon. We played so well against Oregon that it made us feel as though like this was a team that was that was destined for I'm not a sure. top three finish in the SWAT. Oregon rolled out their you know JV team. They were missing. They were missing like two of their key people. But 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 still but yeah. still to but still to be in the game, we was up at halftime. So Oregon. Yeah, I understand your point. It's you, a even even team. even even the even the SWAT prediction was like, oh, this fam, you team might actually be a problem. Mm -hmm. And then we were supposed to have a winnable game against Albany State. Drop the egg. Mm -hmm. And it's like every game that we thought that they were supposed to win, they just dropped the ball on it. It's like be, looking at this record. Three at eleven and swag play is just it's just terrible. Like you you guys understand like our next after tonight versus Alabama and M our next three games are against opponents that are top five or six in the swag. Those are three losses right there. Right, we're cooked. So we could just we just, we could just cancel out swag play because what it's the top ten that no, makes top eight. No, top eight. No, yeah, that's no. that's the way I see it. Even if we went out we went out today, let's say okay, we, we beat we, Alabama and we wouldn't catch up. We'll we'll be four and eleven in conference play. If we beat Grand will be five and eleven. We be uh, BCU and Southern. Then we'll be seven and eleven. So even then, we still wouldn't make it. Mm -mm. Mm. But that's enough FAMU basketball. We got some news in FAMU football today. Joseph Henry has just now been promoted to assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, and offensive line coach. So Jalen, what do you think about this hire? Um, so he was he was retained from the previous staff. He kept pretty much all of his titles. Um, I think it's been good. Um, this late in the game, trying to find a new coach to fill in these slots is going to be hard. You want a quality coach, and again, this is a coach that knows the program. Um, he has experience. Um, again, as a coordinator, he was there last year. Um, offensive line coach the year before that a part of coach Simmons staff on top of that he coached um some years in, in the SEC as an offensive line coach so he has the experience he has the understanding of the program um I think it was a good hire and again it just makes the most sense this late in the game what about your country I like the hire it just it just gives us that attitude that we still trying to stay with that family culture that we had in the past and really it's just showing that we're not really trying to start a new identity and we just trying to keep that same identity rolling with the people that we bringing in and the fact that he came from the uh from the FBS level do show that he got credentials and he kept everything. Yeah, I also think this is a great hire. I mean, this dude has just immaculate coaching pedigree, previous coach on the coaching staff um, at Prairie View with Coach Simmons. After that, he had a stint at LSU. He was the offensive line coach in 2021. Uh, did a pretty good job with them. So I think this is a great hire. Yeah, awesome. like they just said, obviously has the pedigree, staying in-house. I like it. All righty. Now on to college basketball. March Madness is, you know, approaching marches a couple days away so if you guys had to pick an underdog team to go into march madness with who are you picking and why i'll start off i don't know if it's really an underdog pick but i would pick kentucky I, obviously not, mm -hmm. not a lot of people wouldn't on, you know <laughs> no, so, so, so mike it's not it's not a bad take like the thing is i would say this if kentucky could find a way that they could deep down in some little bag right. and find a sprinkle of defense i will agree with they you. don't have an identity so here's my question yeah, yeah. Talk i completely agree would you have said this before the alabama game would you 
you have said this before the LSU game. Yeah. Do you know that the score at halftime when they played Alabama was 59 or 42? That's not right. even that's not even my thing. The thing is, it took them shooting 60% from the floor and 55% from three to really do that to the Alabama. Do you think they're gonna do that night in and night out? Do y'all think Do you think that they're gonna do that over how far do y'all think Kentucky's gonna go in the tournament? Sweet uh, sixteen. Round of thirty two, sweet sixteen. I said sweet sixteen. Okay. Elite they, 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 they is their max. They not it's not like they're not a good team. They, yeah, they're yeah, very they're offensively they are amazing. But they have no like, identity. They have on defense, no identity on which is they don't even communicate on defense. That's why I said it's not really an underdog pick, but it's like it's not a it's not a team that I see people pick to win the tournament. I know? say South Carolina is a more of an underdog pick. South Carolina still is getting a lot of disrespect because nobody's talking about South Carolina. The SEC I, has a lot of underrated teams. Exactly. I've been saying this all season. I'm not in love with South Carolina's team, but I do think that that's not a bad pick. So, you want to explain that more? No, i just, I just been liking the way that they're playing and they're actually winning. And... They're actually winning on the road. They're one of the few teams on in the SEC that's actually winning on the road. They got the best road record in the SEC. They at six and three right now. Well, they tied with with Tennessee. But at the same at the same token, I just feel as though like that added senior leadership that they have in the and the players that they had that came back is the true is the true definition of how you win in March. Because if you look at a lot of the teams that win, they, they don't win with freshmen. They win with upperclassmen and second year second year guys. And that's what South Carolina's team is. And you see the discipline that they tend and the way they play. Unlike Kentucky, where you just got a whole bunch of freshmen, all Americans that just that just want to score. You got a point. I I got two teams. I have here. a great team. Go ahead. Um, though. bear with me here. All right. So one of the he said underdog by the way. I know one of the popular teams I have here is, is Marquette. Um, mm, okay. I, I think they're not underrated in the sense that they're not going to be successful in the tournament. But I think I have them in like the Elite Eight, Final Four. Um, they had a nice win over Kansas. They had have uh, the three and five in quadrant one, five and zero in quadrant two games, four and one in quadrant three, and they've won all the games they're supposed to win. So I think that's a, a team to look out for in March. Now this is a long shot team for me. I just I just thought to bring it up because it's the first time in program history they're ranked in the top. I knew five. it. I knew it. Wait, say it. Talk about them Bulls, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, bro. I was, yeah, right. I was seriously so, gonna say that. So here's their resume. Now it's a long shot because they're listed as a bubble team, but they put together quite a resume. They're not a bubble team anymore. They they yeah. they put them as an at large bid. Once you get in the top 25 well, I, thought they, I thought they have yeah. to win. well if they win their they gotta win out for sure I did, I, honestly they're 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 in without a shadow of a okay, I, I, watched them play, team, I watched them play against FAU on Saturday yeah I was, yeah. Gonna, I was gonna get to that so I was is, I was concerned they almost blew that 20 point lead this is this but is go my, ahead this is the resume here so 21 and 5 11 straight wins number one in the American wins over FAU Wichita State FSU and Memphis ranked for the first time in, t- in program history in the top 25 two quad one wins is that not like an underrated? I think they can ride out the momentum to win out the season because they're not the AAC isn't that competitive. It's not. It's not. So they can win out the rest of their conference. And but like you said, that's an at-large bid. Uh, now. Honestly, honestly, we being honest, the AAC would have been competitive if they had waited till next year to move all the teams that they moved. I so agree. like the Houston's of yeah. the world, the uh, Cincinnati's Cincinnati. of the world would have still been in the conference. So it gave South Florida a opportunity to showcase that everything they can is working the best right. right now. So and, so it's like it's like. That's, I, I feel as though like that's why they were able to get to this level. But it's not knocking them from anything that they did because they still they still did what they were supposed to do and they still won the games that they were supposed to win.
win. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't, you can't take that away from them. But I'm saying that's the only reason why the level of competition in the AAC is is not as strong as it should have been. Because if it was the case, I think Houston would have been undefeated right now. Man, look, we could talk about competition at level of play. Back though, the matter is the last three games: Tulane, Charlotte, and Tulsa. That's three and zero to me. Yeah, that's three and zero. They're gonna make it in that tournament. Tulane, and every year, every year, they're not. But USF is a better team for sure. I agree. And the one thing I'll say is we get we get at least a couple of teams, two to three teams every year that kind of just shock everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you. La- last year, FAU. The year before, we've had other teams that have just come out the woodworks. Shoot, even that one year. Oh my goodness, that one year with John Moran. I was just watching his game in oh. the tournament, bro. Like came out of nowhere. Inspirational. It, it was very inspirational because I'm Man. not I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know who John Moran was until I did. that tournament. I, I did. No, no, I did know who oh, he was. I did. I just did not know how good he was though, because all you heard was John Morant, and they had him going like in a lottery pick, but that tournament, yeah. Yeah, he went, he, he, he was, I was like, oh yeah, that's it solidified it. Yeah, it solidified how much he was a dog. I can get into how I, when I first found out about John Morant, it's because he was playing at Belmont in Nashville. Man, he was giving them boys work like year in and year out, or really just two years. And then I seen him dunk all over Alabama too, but team I have going far in this tournament is a team I hold near and dear to my heart. It's them Illinois fighting Illini. Why? How? What you mean how? Like how is that your, that's how, where's the correlation? Oh, my dad went there. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, there we go. I, I, thought, I, thought, no, like, I, I honestly thought he was about to say Alabama. I thought he was about to say Alabama. <laughs> nah. Wow. Yeah, nah. But they're ranked 13th in the country right now, and I honestly think they have a good chance of going far in the tournament. Uh, they have, in my opinion, the best player in the country, Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, he just got back. He was, had some legal issue earlier in the year. But um, since he's been back, he's been absolutely hooping. I think he scored 30, like, two of his last three games. They have great size. They got a big who can play kind of like a point forward as well as a big who's more of a traditional big who can play inside they're really loaded like they got about 10 11 guys who can really play at the highest level um they're really just now starting to click because like i said their all-american player did have some legal trouble that kept them out for a little bit of time but i've seen some good basketball out of them the last few weeks i think they can make a good run for it this this is the question i gotta ask though right because i remember the acc used to be like the premier basketball conference which i feel as though they had fell off acc's fell off in everything it's just not a good conference but go ahead i didn't want to go that far but <laughs> i mean a, 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 a. hey you still got duke brother still got north carolina yeah <laughs> that's, that's about it, it. <laughs> that's about it. but when we, when we talk about when we talk about college basketball conferences are we is it okay to say that the sec yep. is the best absolutely versus versus the big 12 because the big 12 is still in there and, oh. and what's is the best in what sense in, ba- in, in like complete totality like, of like all like the we talking about top to bottom top to bottom i agree with that guys. i agree with that yeah because it's no way that Kentucky. Well, I don't even know why I'm even going to speak on Kentucky, but it's no, it's no way that I just feel as though like I'm seeing something different from the SEC than I've seen in recent years. It's really competitive because it's it's extremely since the days that Bruce Pearl came to Auburn, it's like the SEC basketball has just been out of this world competitive. Like even when Wade Davis was at LSU, you had LSU ranked in the top ten, which is very unheard of. You got football schools now that's basically looking like basketball programs. Yeah. Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama. Well, Tennessee's been good. For Tennessee's always been Rick Barnes years. is really yeah. Oh yeah, I was since Rick Barnes got, got there. there. Yeah. But where, where, but where would y'all, where would y'all rank between Big Twelve and SEC basketball? Top to bottom, mm-hmm. I definitely say the SEC. But that Big Twelve, they have, they very top. They heavy. have three really elite teams: Kansas, Iowa yeah. State, and uh, Houston. And Houston. But I feel as though TCU, TCU should be ranked as well too. But that's just my play. So I'm looking at how many ranked teams are there in the SEC when it comes to basketball. Six, uh, I believe. Six 
leagues, and, but they're all in like different parts of like. Nah, so the SEC doesn't have a division anymore. It's all. I thought they were doing that next year. Uh-uh. Oh, so they just started this year. They 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 already started it with basketball. Like they started it last year. Got you. They have six, and then I think Mississippi State's going to be ranked. In my opinion, I think they're going to get ranked really soon. They typically peak peak late. They got Tolu Smith, who's a force in the middle. I think he's going to start. Hey good. Austin, I didn't forget what you said about Florida, man. They're, they're, they're top twenty-five now. I told you that. That's not a good basketball slight, they're team. They're slightly I don't dangerous know. in the I, SEC. They're they cooking right now, but because one thing I would say is though, like that ACC was very much disappointed this year when it came to Clemson and University of Miami. I actually had the University of Miami winning the whole thing. You know what? I'm kind of confused. The, the ACC? ACC tournament? No, I had them winning the national championship this year. Yeah. Who? Who do you University say? Of with, Miami. With, with the return players and the transfers that they had let from coming into this year, they started off ranked. I believe they was either six or thirteen. They were. I mean, they were in the top top fifteen. Topic. Yeah, but natty? no, but it, but it, but it's like how far <laughs> it's like it's like natty. How far they went last year? I, I felt as though they had the senior leadership and the leadership just to make it that far. But for them to be where they are right now, they're at the bottom of the ACC. And that's my thing. Like it, it's real hard to accomplish something of great magnitude twice. Yeah. Literally, mm-hmm. like usually when a team wins a national championship, it's very hard that they get back to the national championship and right. win it. You know, let alone even get to the final four. Or the elite like eight. FAU, right. there's a lot of things even when you bring in different even when you keep the same core of the squad like you know what i'm saying like it's hard to do that and and that's why that's why i love basketball more than i love football in that sense because football if you yeah. win a national championship with them same players and you go into the and you go into the next season nine times out of ten you're gonna make it right back yeah, to where you was playoffs, right but in basketball nah that tournament is that a tournament it, it, it's about I, I honestly will say it is the hardest tournament because that's why you've yet to see anybody get a hundred percent correct on that bracket. Exactly. Because it will. It, this this tournament it, it, it separates the men from the boys. It do. And, and you know it's crazy. Like to that point. Like I think I had said it like a while back. Like when we were talking about this last year. Like a bracket is very rare that I've ever seen somebody's bracket get perfect past the round of sixty four. Like that's just how. Like no. Let me say the round of thirty two because it's just so hard to like predict like who's gonna win who's gonna do x y and z you never know like a team that's like bottom tier somebody that you never could have saw coming they could have just came to play on that one particular right. day I'm, I'm they not, just hitting I'm every not shot lie. exactly I'm not lie to you, Ma. you just disrespected that you just disrespected me uh-uh. you said you said round of 32 i've not even had a perfect bracket out of round of 64 yeah okay like. so that was what i was originally that's what i was originally about to say but then it's like i know like some guys like really be like analyzing that stuff so it's Bro. like you know round of i give i give guys round of 32 at least like, i know me personally i remember one year I was very close, but I was off by like four teams, literally. Bro, I had one year. I'm gonna tell y'all the the year that made me stop doing the bracket. I know y'all y'all remember CJ McCollum and Lehigh, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, when, when you talk about a team that barely made it, mm-hmm. they made it. One they was they finished fourth in their conference. Mm. They had them not even making it out of their uh, conference league, so they won the conference. So they end up being a 15 15 seed. And guess who they playing? Duke with Jabari Parker and uh, Emil Jefferson. Like, we talking about one of the best big man combo at the time. Not big man, but you could say backcourse that was really, like, dominating. CJ McCollum by himself, single-handedly, destroyed that Duke team. And mind you, Duke lost to uh, Mercer the year before that as a 4 seed. So it's like, bro, yeah, I, I see word. It's just like, bro, what, what? how can you even get this right? Like, it's no way. Like, I feel as though somebody gets the correct bracket, I feel as though he a tra- time traveler. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like I, I don't think I've ever seen a perfect bracket. It's never, it's never happened. They said they will, will they will pay you twenty million dollars for a perfect bracket, and nobody has ever got a perfect bracket. You talking about people analyze it from day in, day and it's out. So many brackets it's, made every year too. Bro, I done made a hundred brackets, and all of them still was garbage. <laughs> like with every, I remember I had a, I had a bracket that was almost correct, but guess what? Georgetown lost in the first round. I had another one when Virginia, I have my national championship team. Virginia loses to a college, to a community college basketball program. Community college? UM, UM, uh, I don't even know how to say that. UMBC is like, community that, college. Bro, <laughs> my, my thing is, my thing is, if your school has more than three names, bro, you're not, you're not a credible, you're not a credible basketball school. How is your name is University of Maryland Global Campus and you beat Baltimore Campus and you beat Virginia, who was the best team the entire year? Sometimes you just wake up and you have a good day from shooting. Some days you just wake up and you just, just feeling it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Bro, it's all about matchups. You don't even know what matchup matchup with what. Because you you look at the matchup key and you like, oh, Virginia about to mollywop these boys. And then they, they get mollywop by 15. Man, it's just, it's just, it's a lot. Crazy things can happen in March. I can't wait. But like me and Austin was saying earlier, I feel as though the women's game. No, here we go. It's better than the men's game right now. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. It's just better comp. It's like more interesting, low key. Not necessarily because of like the name players, but just because of just like the level of play, like how intense it be. Because like you got teams like the LSUs, the South Carolinas, you have USC. like like you have all these teams. USC is balling right now. Right? LSU yeah, like, is the dude, fourth best team in the sweat in the SEC. You, you right feel now. me? Like it's just better. It's more comp. Like I'm like I'm actually excited. I'm gonna make a women's bracket this year. That's how excited I am. And and, and it's just like you watching a freshman Juju Watkins just going crazy. Dropping 40. Dropping 40. Dropping Casually, 50. Bro. Like, just waking up and just... On 40 shots. I mean... On 40 shots. Okay, I seen I seen the game. I seen a game last week. She was like 10 for 19. It was that game where she dropped like 42 points. She was like 10 for 19. She was perfect from the free throw line. Like, come on. Like, like I feel like people be picking and choosing what to give somebody props. Like, on 40 shots, she's the best player on the team. Of course, she's going to get 40 shots. They played against, they played against uh, Stanford when she dropped, what, 50, 50, 54, 56, mm -hmm. and their team scored 63 points, and Stanford only had 59. She needed every single bucket. Hold on. So to you, that's good basketball? I, gar I guarantee you if, you, if if it was somebody in a men's game right now that did that, I guarantee you would have been like, oh yeah, he had to carry the team on his back. Why is it that? No, it's she did carry the team on her back. So why? So 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 why is that. that? So why is that a bad thing if she did it? Then? No, I'm not gonna say that she's not an incredible player. But what I'm gonna say is like that's not what's going on around the country. That's not. This isn't a universal experience. Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, Haley Van Lith, and Juju Watkins. Sure, you can say that they're they could be more exciting than all the players in men's college basketball. But I don't think that the women's game has caught up just yet. I I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they caught up because they didn't catch up by by a shadow of a doubt. What I'm saying is the women's game has been more exciting than the men's game. Yeah, like it's it's more it's more comp. Like I'm looking at the Pac-12 right now for the women's. Like it's legitimate comp. The first like six teams are only separated by one game. And then also, too, you have a marquee game that you're not, Like, I was watching Duke versus North Carolina, and I just felt to myself, like, this is it's actually boring. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I'm watching I'm watching LSU versus South Carolina. Like, South Carolina, I'm, I'm really in tune right now. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good game. LSU versus Alabama. I'm like, bro, they are balling. And, but it's like, when you watching the girls, when you watching the guys, you just be like, it's not even interesting. Y'all all make very good points in this discussion. We can have this debate all day long, I could see. But now onto some NFL. The NFL Combine is starting up. I know QB is happy. I got an issue with the NFL Combine, but I'm going to save that. Day. I'm right there with you. But on to, you know, 
the defensive players. Who are your top five DBs in the class right now? Man, I really like that young boy out of Iowa, Kalu G. That that brother's gonna be good. Um, I've seen all the mock drafts so far from Mel Kiper. It looks like he's gonna go late in the first round, which is which is expected, but that's still pretty high for a DB. And I'm just gonna be honest, a, a Caucasian DB at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> call a spade a spade. The, the Call brother, a spade a spade. The, the brother, Since 2003. The brother has skill. Like I can't, I can't, I can't say all my top five DBs because like he's just really like the one that just stands out to me. I just think his game is gonna correlate well to the league, whatever team he goes to, and uh, I'm just excited to see. Jalen? Uh, I think me and Mike, we talked about this for you guys came in the studio just about how kind of set we were on the top three, four DBs with uh, Cooper DeGene, uh, Nate Wiggins, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry Arnold. Like, I feel like those were names we knew were. Oh, yeah. Name. Terry Arnold, too. They, Terry Terry Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, that's who, that's who I had. going to be high. So, honestly, yeah. I have I have uh, Cooper DeGene. I'm going to go Terry Arnold. think I'm going to go Kool-Aid McKinstry. Oh, uh, my gosh. The, the dude out of Alabama. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. really yes. I'm going to go yes. either. I can't decide between Wiggins or Kenyon Mitchell because I really like Kenyon Mitchell's game. Listen, as a former DB in high school, there's, oh. no, there's nothing Facts. more exciting than a DB that loves to just tackle get in there. I mean, just. Mm. Bro, a and, lot of DBs do not like to hit. And, and, like, and, I, and I was bro, one of them. To my, to my point, I think that that's what I sets Kenyon Mitchell and Cooper DeGene Facts. Apart from other DBs, is the yeah. fact that yes, they can cover. You can put them out on the island. Yes. Sure, they have the length for it. They don't go one, up in two, there. But you can use them in the slot like a like a Harrison Smith. You can use them like a CDJ. Put them in the box. Allow them to play the slot. Roam around. You can use your four three concept. Facts. Bring another safety down. It's a Swiss Army knife. And it is a Swiss. And Army looking knife. at him, I'm looking at him right now. It says he runs a four three five forty. Come on, bro. Got, got ball skills. Like, I think what suits what sets Cooper Jean apart from the rest of them is that on top of that, you can he's use marketable it. as a special teams guy yes. you can use them as a, a cover guy on top of being able to return kicks and punts so um yeah i'm gonna go cooper de i'm gonna go Terran arnold nate uh kool-aid mckinstry nate wiggins and then Keon and then and then to that point like if, if there's one thing we know about the nfl if you want to stand out special teams special, special teams, teams right. bro and that that brother cooper de my goodness, I could see whatever team he goes to, I could see him getting some reps in special teams. But the issue with, with Cooper, like everybody's always said is he doesn't play man. He's a he's a zone scheme cornerback, I mean, which is not a problem, but te- you know teams, you know NFL teams know how to get you out that zone and put you on that island. And that that's that's just the, that's just the knock on Cooper Jenkins because when he was at Iowa, they did not play man. Right, and that's what they I'm saying. They're, 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 I think they're going to use him differently than a cover. Right, right. I, I, I feel as though like they're going to use... For some reason, I think they're gonna move him to safety. safety I, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like because because it's like it's like when you see when you see his build, you see his motion, you see his range. He's more of a nickel mm-hmm. safety type, Swiss Army knife type safety, <laughs> like and which you could put in the box because he loves the tackle. And you got he a six one two zero seven man coming straight out your chest. What? Right. But yeah. my favorite player has got to be Kool Aid McKinstry. Yeah. Like yeah. honestly, I don't understand the drop of what happened with Kool Aid McKinstry because first and foremost, to me. He is better than Terion Arnold, but it's it's like this. Of course, you're gonna get more action from Terion Arnold because teams was not throwing it yeah. Kool Aid side. They wanted to target. They they wanted sure. to target uh, Terion, but Terion stepped up, and that's why he looked like he was the premier corner. Mm-hmm. But it's like I feel as though like that 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 put a that put a like a little battery in his back mm-hmm. to show that he is actually a number one corner. But teams was still not testing Kool Aid McKinstry side. Only reason I had Terion Arnold above him is because you said we have tape of Terion Arnold playing. But yeah. we had tape of Kool Aid for the. 
they yes, can cool it, yes. But I'm saying from this past season, it was Terry on Otto. Exactly. So you have the most draft stock on him, but I think equally they're amazing. And honestly, I don't believe in Georgia cornerbacks. I don't. Hmm? Because they have some of the greatest D-lines. Yeah, that's true. Uh, front, front seven makes their, makes their cornerbacks look amazing because once you've seen, if you can get away from that front seven, they can't check anybody. Mm. I agree with that. Kareem Lasseter is a good cornerback, but I don't think he's a top 25, top 30 top 50 corner that you will choose in the first or second round because if you if you look at history history has repeated itself we talk about these great georgia defenses these great georgia defenses but what have we got year in and year out we've only got d linemen and linebackers can anybody tell me a good georgia cornerback right now in the league no i hear you don't worry i'll wait <laughs> <laughs> my point exactly because teams see what they're what they're producing you you once you, if you hide behind like it was at, it was at it was at a point when it was alabama that was Alabama yeah. because it was like they was able to hide behind that front seven mm-hmm. and it was like if you only have enough second to throw the ball of course I'm gonna look like an all pro cornerback yeah I'm glad you brought up that point country because I 100% agree with you but um Austin, what you think? What about the corners? In- oh, I got the Bama boys one and two. I think I do too. By the way, I that, think, was, that was my, my I was with you, Austin. I see your point about Kool Aid. Me personally, right now, I, I think I got Terion Arnold over him. I think he showed a little bit more ball skills this year. But like you said, that does have a lot to do with just how much he was thrown at. So Terion Arnold one, Kool Aid two, and then round out my top three, I'll put Cooper Dezine there. Uh, I do see him getting moved to probably like a free safety, strong safety role. Yeah. Oh, another name I want to throw in there for speaking of safeties is Cameron Kinchin, kid out of yeah, Miami. Miami. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to be the first safety off the <clears throat> Exactly. And unless they, like you said, if they don't use Cooper DeGene as a safety, he's an amazing option out the slot mm-hmm. because when teams targeted him at Miami, they sent a lot of their tight end packages towards him. And he can show the ability, even though he, he isn't that tall. I, he, I think he'd have him at, uh, shoot, I just had his. Uh, six foot. Yeah, six foot. Five he eight, ran six foot. Uh, four, three, I think, um, 40. So using him in your packages with Blitzen and then having the ability to cover a tight end is going to make it marketable. So that's another name to look out for. But somebody that did start the season early in the top in the top five as a top five cornerback, uh, Caitlin King, mm. even though his even though he kind of dropped out the uh, top still, five, still I still feel as though like he's gonna be a corner that I, I think it's gonna be at least like nine cornerbacks going the first forty five picks. Literally, like this draft class in DBs is very yeah. good. In my personal opinion, I still feel like just because of his versatility, I think Cooper DeGene is gonna go off the board and then Kool Aid McKinstry. But I mean, only time will tell. Yeah, but but it's it's like you. Some Somebody that their ceiling that fell off, and we're gonna go offensively, like just throughout the it's Keon Coleman. No, what he, oh he what <laughs> he oh Keon Coleman went from a top 10 pick to now he's a late first rounder to uh, thank you, country to a second round pick. Because why I'm not gonna lie, Florida State and Mike Novell did Keon Coleman bad, yeah. How so, but he would have games where he would just have be like and nowhere, to be, nowhere to be found, and it wasn't his fault. It's like if you're running curl routes the entire game, yeah. what, what how, how can I how can I show my how can I showcase my, my route running, running skills? Then that's what and that's what their biggest knock is on Keon Coleman because they don't know if he can run routes or even make plays in the open field but let's but let's 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 be real that's a valid point let's think back like all season because when you said the only thing that i can agree with you with keon coleman is route running and then maybe lack of diversity when it comes to his route tree Mm -hmm. and what he can do with that but playmaking in the open field come on now no no but but that's that's the thing everybody in the nfl is a playmaker no that's not true when it it comes to the (laughs) there there are some guys that are playmakers and then there are some guys that have great plays <laughs> and just do what they're okay, supposed okay, to do okay. we, 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 we'll, let's let's go with that that you you're correct you're correct on that on that standpoint but what i'm saying is it's like are you willing to go with 
a top 10 pick on somebody that you want to have question about at receiver when you got a Rome <laughs> Duze, when you got uh, so, so, Jr., so this is my thing. You got a uh, this is my thing. Neighbors. This is my thing. You're so right. But the question at hand was what actually it wasn't even a question. Your statement was he fell off so hard. No, no, no. What I was saying about fell off, I, I let me take let me re let me retract that statement. I didn't say he I didn't mean to say he fell off. I'm saying he he's starting to fall down a lot of people's dreams. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, it, I mean, if you're saying that, look, Roma Dunze, arguably outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, he's hands down the best receiver. Like, we all know Marvin Harrison is going to go number four to the Cardinals. Yeah. But then after that, it gets real. That's because it's like, really, the Giants have the sixth pick. The Giants need a receiver. They could really go Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze. They both are a thousand yard receivers. They both are playmakers. And they both, they love the deep ball. And then you just, they're, they're, it's really like a pick your poison with that type of thing. And it, the same thing with the Titans as well. It's so bad for the, it's so bad for the Florida State boys that you got you got teams talking about they moving Johnny Wilson to tight end. Yeah, like you know, I will just, say, just, I will just, say he's not doing well. No, and and also it's it's because it's like they don't you don't he doesn't have a route tree. Like Mike Novell really did them boys bad just because it's like it was all fades, curls, and and drag routes. But to be honest, coming as a fan watching the team, like he he wasn't that good. Like he was a big body six seven receiver, but he had a lot of drops. Yeah, this past season he had over ten drops, and it's like you watch him play, and it's like you just you just kind of there, but we all know that Keon Coleman was that bona fide number one receiver yeah. for sure. And if Luther Burden, which I don't understand why he went back to school, he would have been a top five pick himself. He was he by far he was the second best receiver to me. Yeah, but I, I do I do agree. I do agree with your statement to an extent. He did fall off. Like he's not he's I'm not gonna sit up here and say he's better than a Roman Dunze or a Malik Neighbors or even a Marvin Harrison Jr. You know what I'm saying? But you know I still like him to go first round. Mm -hmm. It's funny because um our like we had a we had a dude on the show was an NFL agent uh Paul DeRozel like that he's actually Keon Coleman's agent bro <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Nah, that's really funny. But it's like this this one thing I don't like about the combine anymore. Can we stop inviting people that's not gonna participate in the combine? Right. Like you're wasting I do I do agree. You're wasting spots for people that really need that opportunity. Because I think, it's or like, if you know you're not gonna participate, just turn down the right, Just turn down the like why are you even coming like, just to I, just, Yeah, like I seen Marvin Harrison. He he he's not, not he's he not, not participating. I mean he he really don't need to, but I mean he, it's like to your point, why have that spot taken Bro, up for I, somebody I'm, else? I'm saying here like the combine is not gonna do you is justice you feel me like if they already have you in a top 10 top 25 yeah like, like just, just, just go just participate go at, at the pro day like exactly, you want exactly. I, I heard he's i don't even think marvin harrison's gonna have a pro day is what i'm yeah no. he's not doing nothing he like, already know he going number one overall <laughs> wide receiver but, but, but it's but it's like if you if you like I, I just seen a stat that said caleb williams is not even gonna throw at the combine no, yeah he's not gonna run at the combine he's not even gonna get his measurables at the combine. so why are you at the combine like like it's so many people that's begging for that it's only 395 spots for the combine it's people that really need that like let them have it instead of you wasting it just to see caleb williams walking through the hallways oh it's caleb williams and he goes home like that's a waste like it's, <laughs> it's not it's not fair to people that really do need this combine i feel as though if you're not going to participate in every single event at the combine your event you you should not get an invite to the so combine. so that's a good question so do you think in the future that players should be really restricted to two options either you're going to participate in everything at your pro day or you're going to participate in everything, everything at the combine. combine. Yeah. And if you're not going to participate at the combine, we're going to take your spot, we're going to take your invitation and, and give, give it, it to another player. Do you see that realistically being I, a thing? No. I don't think it's going to happen though because it's like, it, because they still want the, uh, what's it called? The media The media attention. Yeah. They still want the media attention of, oh, we see Caleb Williams. Oh, we see Drake May. Drake, honestly, am I the only one that 
Has anybody seen Drake May even play this year? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I don't that know why. That brother is this, good. Yeah. Until he got hurt, right? Okay. Yeah. But my whole thing is like this. Even with Drake May, he's not participating in anything either. So it's like, why are you inviting all these players when it's people that really need this opportunity? Just because you know people's not really gonna come to their pro day. People like teams are really not gonna see them throw. Seems not like let them get that opportunity. Like all these. That can be Jeremy Musa, bro. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's time to to his point, it is some HBCU players that can't, that should be able to get that love of coming to the combine because it's people that don't even want to do anything. And they will love to, like, it would be a quarterback that would love to show that he got a cannon of an arm. But you know what, though? To that point, I was in New Orleans this week. I was able to see that HBCU combine in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That's also a great opportunity for HBCU players, too. You know, I hope that, uh, I hope that later down the line that more HBCU players will get invited to the draft. But that's why that's why uh I, I really realized that when i was down there like from a from a standpoint of hbcu talent there's a lot of talent that just goes unnoticed you know what i'm saying think of think of all the think of a couple of nfl greats that have went to hbcu that was a lot and of look at them having it's all more the it's careers. more hall of famers like come on now jerry rice shannon sharp you got bullet bob hayes he went to fam you himself right mm -hmm. down you know what i'm saying so it's a lot of those players but i do think that's definitely a big problem then you, then you could even you could even go as far as to even say like the thing that separates the hbcus and the pwis is the front seven yeah. Oh, like oh, yeah. sure. if, we, if we talking about of, yeah. if we talking about in terms of the reason, it, definitely. If you had a seven on seven turnover, you had a seven on yeah, and give, them, and give them a legit because fam, fam, you had four players to run sub four fours, and we had one dude that ran a four two two. Was it Marcus? Was it Marcus Riley or was it? I, I don't know. It was, it was I know he was Riley. corn. Yeah. I know he was corn. I was looking like you ran a who? Yeah, he's live. He gonna definitely make a squad. Of course, like uh, uh, I think him. I don't think Musa gonna make a squad. That's my personal opinion. He might be. He might be an unrestricted free agent signed to a practice squad though. Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're not gonna give a you practice squad? Really no. joking about the USFL thing? But realistically, Musa is not going to be in the NFL next season. I said USFL. No, I'm talking to oh. Mod. He's not going to be in the practice squad. No. <laughs> Like what what routes have you seen Jeremy Musa just like throw well besides the bubble screen? Uh I mean he has a decent he has a decent he definitely not the deep ball. I'll give him the mid well, I'll give what? him like mid crosser routes and stuff like that. He could throw he could throw the slant well from what I see well from what I seen earlier this past week, he could throw the slant well, he could throw the crossing route well. He's okay when it comes to post. We are and, talking about a guy who could not make it at Vanderbilt or Hawaii. He's not going to make it in the NFL. He's a champion. Yeah, he is a champion. Can't take that away from him. That's enough football for today, you know. <laughs> On to the NBA. We're in the thick of the NBA season, fellas. Now, if the season ended today, who would you have winning the um, end of the season awards? Obviously, we know the 65-game rule that was in place this summer takes a lot of guys out of the race for some of these awards. Obviously, the most notable one, Joel Embiid. So, who do you guys have as MVP? Are we doing this like quick picks? or Quick picks. Okay. MVP. Jason Tatum. He's the best player in the league right now. Country. Whoa, hold on. Country, just go ahead. Uh, Luca. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go Luca. Take Jokic. I'm gonna go Shea. Rookie of the year. Wemby. I mean, Wemby. Chell. Wembyama. Didn't Wemby win more head to heads against Chet? No. I, no. Oh wait, no, no. I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. These other. But I got Chet. I would like to pick Chet, but I know the NBA. It's too much buzz yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Wemby. Yeah. Because because marketable. We we really we we gotta realize that this is the worst that we're gonna see of Victor Wembyama, and that says a lot. This is probably by far the worst play that we're gonna see from him. Facts. Rookie of the year. We just said it. We just. I mean, not rookie. I'm sorry. Six men of the year. Tim Hardaway Jr. Malik Monk. Can Cam Thomas win that? No. Nah. Why can't he? The rule started to me. Started to me. Yeah. 
Oh. Mm. Mm, Nasri. Okay. I don't really. I don't really have a pick for that one. I don't even. Okay. Who Who is Who is eligible for it? Malik Monk, Malik Monk Tim Hardaway Jr., Norman uh, Powell, Norman yeah, Powell, Terrence Lavert, Russell Westbrook. Those are like the top like five guys. Nah, they ain't gonna give it to they us. Oh, he been bringing that juice have, out the mix. They have, and the Clippers are the Clippers are great right now. Yes, sir. Uh, but I, I'll say Malik Monk. I'll say Malik Monk. Is DPOY. I got Rudy Gobert. Who 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 do they have in the running? It's Rudy Gobert, Victor Wembanyama, and I believe Bam Adebayo. And the dude, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, would, would they give it to Wimby? No. I think, no, should, I I think, think Wimby has the better numbers, but I think since the Timberwolves have been the number one defense from Facts. the top of the, since the beginning mm, yeah. of the year. You got to look at it. Yeah, you got to look at it from a holistic standpoint. I just, I, this is my, my bias. I just don't like uh, Rudy Gobert. I'm not a Gobert fan either, Gobert but fan. I mean. But you got to give credit exactly. where credit is due. But, but like I said, if you look at the numbers, Wimby is by far the best defense player. Okay, in a holistic standpoint, though, Bam Adebayo is putting up similar numbers. With as an undersized big man, because he's guarding centers and playmakers on the. Did y'all yeah, see him play true. against uh, Zion? Yeah. Right. Had a man on straps. I, I think, I think Zion that, is basically a center. I think Bam will get one eventually, but I don't know what else he has to I'm do. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. If 46 if blocks, if Bam, 109 Bam, defensive rating, a block and a steal per game as an undersized Bam, big. If Bam doesn't get it this year, I don't think nobody gets it. It's two, two, two years in a row, two or three years in a row. He's been up in the run and just hasn't gotten it. I don't know when. It's I mean, go. I mean, well, last year Jerry Jackson was like by. Yeah. That, okay, that, I'll yeah, give you that. So it, it's like we before, the year before that, year though, before he had, the, he had he was before, before. Marcus Smart. Yeah, I, I don't even like that pick. When they it was, it was supposed to be Robert Williams, Williams, but since he went down with an injury, two Marcus Smart got that. But on to <laughs> this dude, on to the clutch player of the year. Who do you guys have? I gotta give it to Shea. Mm, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Shea. That brother is clutch. What was the uh, clutch player of the year? clutch player of the year? Oh yeah, yeah, Shay, 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 John Morant. I'm gonna go, You're bro. He's, he's not even in the. He's not even in the odds. Hey, he's he's hey, not hey, even hey, in the race. Hey, wait, is there is there a, is there a category for best dressed too? Because if that's the case, we gotta get that to Shay as well. Yeah, he do be putting Definitely. that. He be putting that ish on. But my clutch player would probably be. I'll give it to Steph, but Shay's probably gonna win it. And I do not think Steph. Do you know Steph? Do you season. know Steph Curry actually has the worst clutch rating out of all superstars? You're still no, no. You're a Curry fan, right, Mike? Uh, uh-uh. uh. I mean, I like no, no. He, no, country's he, right. Like he was, actually has the one of the stats. Where, yeah, like he's not a great ha- he's clutch, not a clutch player. player. Like under, they say under either two minutes or under one minute, he has the worst field like goal percentage. Clutch time, yeah. And uh, what's it called? Three point percentage under that time. I, I when I seen that stat, I was like, that's why when he said give me Eagle Dollar, everybody was laughing. But he pulled like uh, what's his name, Mike Kellerman. Yeah, yeah, Max Kellerman put Max that stat up, and it showed like Curry's really not clutch. So you would rather have Eagle Dollar than Steph should take that? Shot? I did not say that. But <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if, it, if it's less than 30 seconds left, yeah, I'd take you a dollar. Most improved player. Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, what? it's going to go to Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, who, like who, who do they have in the – because that, that's what I thought. Who do they have in the running? You Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton. I would give it to Jalen Johnson because my thing with the most improved player award is I don't want to give it to a player who has been – who was a, you know, a rising star that emerged into an all-star. I'm going to give it to somebody who was barely in the rotation. Now you're a pivotal piece on a potential playoff team. Time out, because you, you, we're not going to go that route. Because Tyrese Harlebern, he was on the Kings. Tyrese Harlebern yeah. was on the the Pacers last year. And he was, but listen, though, before he got traded to the Pacers, mm-hmm. 
they traded him for what they thought was a bona fide player that was going to help right. the game over and up. Even when I said, I even said it, that that move was a bad move. They should have traded Malik, not Malik Monday. They should have traded De'Aaron Fox. Right. That's who they should have traded. But I agree with you. You He was a backup to De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. So when you get him to go to Indiana, doing what he's doing, he could have easily just been a rotational player. But he was but he, 20 and 10 last year. But he, but he, but he, but you got to see his progression, though. But I don't even think he's up for the reward, though. I think he got, I think if he missed like one or two more yeah, games, if he's he missed, done. If he missed two more games, he's yeah, he's done. Him. But Jalen Johnson was averaging four points. Then he moved up to about six or seven points. Now he's putting up 15, 16 points a game right now. And he's the second best player on the Atlanta Hawks. Another guy to look out for uh, is Kobe White. He only played, or he only started two games last year for the Bulls, but he started all 57 so far that he's appeared in this year. Uh, he jumped 10 points and 10 points, three rebounds, and three assists. Um, he's at plus 470 to a most improved player. That's a good pick, too. On the coach of the year, though, who do you guys have as coach of the year? Mm-hmm. Who's in the running? Mark Dagnall, Chris Finch, and Jamal Mosley. I like Chris Finch. I have him winning coach of the year. Um, I can't even consider Jamal Mosley because of just the other coaches that are on that list, but it would be nice to see Jamal Mosley win coach of the year. I'm biased. I would probably still give it to Jamal Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little biased. I'm going to say Coach Mark. Yeah. Okay. Now to end the show off, we got one more topic. How serious should we take the Oklahoma City Thunder? Very seriously. Pass it, pass it to the country because I know we yeah. kind of That's kind of like touched my heart to say. Man, I ain't think we've been we, we getting taken ser- this seriously since we had Kevin Durant. And honestly, I believe that we can make a run, but I feel as though like our downfall is the lack of the size that we do have. Yeah. I feel as though like when it comes to we got to play against like Jokic or somebody and somebody of that nature, well, we don't got to see Joel and B no more, but you got to play teams like the Nuggets who actually do have the big man. Or if we so fortunate enough to make it to the finals when we got to see somebody like the probably like the Celtics, Celtics or Celtics. or the Bucks like their their size yeah their size their size is just was is what I'm scared of but offensively I feel as though like we're one of the best teams in the league we we've been at the top of the West for the longest but it's good to see my boys right there but we're gonna see we gonna Look, see this was my thing about the Thunder a couple of days ago I kind of had some concerns with them because they are a great team they're playing great. Great. They have a bona fide superstar in Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I like their big three uh, with Chet, Will, Jay Williams, and uh, Shea. But my thing was the experience. This team hasn't had experience in the playoffs, so that's, that's not true. It, it it is though because no, the, like the only reason why I would say that's not true how? because since we had Shea, we also had Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and Chris Paul has been that leader to show us like how it is to be in the playoffs. Like we was in the playing, we was in the bubble, and we was in the year we made it to the playoffs the year after the bubble. But the problem was, like you said, we did we never had that leadership of when we did have Chris Paul. But we now you see Shea has stepped up to be that leader. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, with this team right now, we have not seen this team under Shea's leadership and his leading scoring in the playoffs. Like they made the play-in last year and we saw flashes. Like I think everyone, I think we can all agree, like everyone said, like this team is coming. Like this team is on like the door, they're knocking. But now they're here. And again, like going back to what I was saying, I was like, my concern the other day against the Clippers I'm like well can they beat this experienced team Paul George James Harden uh can they beat this ex- can they beat this experienced team they not only beat them they smacked them so now my worries are a little bit less but you know I really do think this this team is here this team is serious now I believe so too I mean I was 
one of the people I wasn't really high on this this year. I actually had us finishing like fifth or sixth. Like uh, me seeing me seeing us in the top three is is actually insane. So my hope my like like again I'm just keep going over it. It's just the lack of big man play that we don't. I was have. gonna say if you if the season ends today they would play. Uh, Mavericks first round. The Pelicans. They played Pelicans first round? I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, so they played that's the Pelicans dub. first round. That's a dub. Who they have for that? The, the Nuggets. Nuggets. It'll be the Nuggets, yeah. That's what, and that's where the lack of big, yeah. And that'll be a seven game series. But, uh, but honestly, though, the way the way it's shaping up, we could uh, we could actually end up being one. Because right now, it's a three, it's a either three-way or two-way. 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 two-way tie between us and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the Timberwolves have like a more head-to-head -head wins against uh, you guys? I think they got so. us two to one. Okay. Yeah. Here's my concern with the Thunder. And I'm at a point right now where you know, earlier in the season, I was very doubtful, but at this point, I'm like, okay, we've made it, what, 57 games in. I'm respecting it, and I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm listening. But my thing is, with teams like OKC, where they have one kind of two guys who facilitate the vast majority of their offense, uh, you know, Shea's averaging 31 points and like seven rebounds, excuse me, seven assists, it's kind of just like if a team sees this for seven games straight, how 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 much you know difference can they what type of difference can they put in their offense to the point where you know if a team is seeing this night after night they're not going to catch on to what what you're running or you know things that you do as a team it's kind of what happened to my grizzlies last year when they ran into the lakers a more experienced team it seemed like as the series progressed they just knew what was coming and by the end of the series the grizzlies were just getting dog walked nah so the thing with the with the lakers and y'all series it wasn't that y'all that they had a game plan for y'all they were just actually hitting their shots but that, but my thing is on deep on the other end of the floor, it's like they they knew what type of things we were trying to get out of different looks. They knew, okay, if we see Brandon Clark come up, we're gonna you know know to drop this guy, and they know how to do everything because we only really had one or two ways to initiate offense, and it was pretty much just John Morant just running at people. So my thing with the Thunder is. Can they switch things up in the playoffs? Can they get creative and, you know, show the team something different, potentially seven different times? Absolutely, Austin. You made a great point. We all made great points today. But that's it for the guys today in the studio. Now on to, you know, the best part of the show, shout outs. So I'll, I'll start us off. I want to thank God, you know, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. You know, got to thank the guys in the studio for, you know, making it happen, putting belief in each and every one of us. Shout out to God for show. Shout out to the guys to the studio. Man, oh man, winding down the time, man. Two and a half months till uh, I walk that stage. It's gonna go fast. It's gonna go fast. Uh, it's, I mean, it's already going fast. We about to be in March now. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'm enjoying the time that I have with the fellas, man. Um, I appreciate y'all. I love talking sports with y'all in here and in the chat and just even like around campus. I love y'all and uh, appreciate y'all for always uh being my inspiration. In the sense, is always like keep going in everything that I'm doing because it's really like full circle seeing y'all in the safe spot that I kind of started out in like literally like two years ago. So um, I'm appreciative of y'all and uh, y'all keep going, man. I just want to give a shout out to God for letting me see another year. Oh yeah. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, bro. Man, appreciate, appreciate. Dang, it's your birthday? Nah, it was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. Oh, wait, oh my. Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was. Y'all, I was about to say. <laughs> bro, he can't, he can't, he can't be scaring us like that, bro. I was like, wait. I thought I said happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, but I just, you know, just seeing another, yes, I'm an old man, seeing another 29 <laughs> years of life. You oh feel me? Woo! Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, your nickname, Unc. We nah. gonna call you Uncle Country. <laughs> nah, Country good. <laughs> but now nah, I just want, I just want to thank God for even giving me this opportunity to speak to the, some of the fellas that's in here. You know, we be having our little debates. It's, it might seem like we don't like each. It might seem like we don't like Austin, but Austin's one of our favorite people. <laughs> but, 
it's just how it is. We, we build a family dynamic here where we can actually just talk, have fun, joke around, talk talk our stuff. And then we we always friends at the end of the day. And it's just like, I just want to thank everybody for just having that personality that's just stay, staying out there, you know. Shout out to the 22 Fire. I want to say thank God. I want to thank my family, my friends. Shout out to my brother. He uh, he recently took the quality control job at USF. He's uh, coming for the defensive line job at West Alabama. Actually had the opportunity to take the job at FAM, but um, you know things work out. Um, so he's back uh, home in Florida with my mom and my little sister. So shout nice. out to you listening to this. Congrats. Uh, yeah, I want to start this off by saying, man, God is good. Uh, every day we wake up, you know, just be happy that you know He's breathed breath into us. So yeah, there's that. Uh, shout out to my family man appreciate y'all all the love and support y'all have given to me shout out the guys man another great show we just got in today and all y'all listening uh make sure y'all are tuning in to the playmakers the live show saturdays from 12 30 to 2 p.m on 90.5 the flavor station you can listen to that on your radio if you're in the tallahassee area or on apple music i think it's on spotify as well y'all just try to get tapped in with that that's a great show as well guys putting in a lot of great work over there as well yes sir we out. Halftime with the Playmakers is produced in the studios of WNM FM 90.5 and the School of Journalism and Graphic Communication at Florida AM University. 